Let's spend some time in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're here because you pursued us. Father, you planned out our salvation, and we're here to say thank you. Lord Jesus, you carried out that plan, and we wanted to be, uh, to be here today and say thank you. And Holy Spirit, thank you for, uh, for making it real to us. We're here to, to say thank you for loving us so. We come, too, because we recognize how much we need you. We are needy people. You say, apart from you, we can do nothing, and that's why we're here. We need you. We wanted to start this week with you. You know our needs. Lord, I pray for some that this would be the day that, that you open eyes and ears and people come to faith in you. Lord, others of us, we have financial problems. We have relational struggles. We have health issues. You know our needs, and we bring our neediness to you because that's all we can bring to you, meet our needs. As we open up your word today, we pray that you would forgive the one who speaks for his sins are many. We pray that you would help us to see Jesus, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Every week in the series that we've been doing, I've asked for a, a volunteer to come up and answer a few easy questions. So who's going to help me out today? Come on, someone new that hasn't done this before? Come on, someone want to come up and don't Come on up. Yeah, come on you can make it up, I'll meet you halfway. How about that? Is that okay yet? Can I do this? Here we go. Hi. Hold this. First of all, put it up. Who are you? Tim Gabert. Okay. And Tim, what's your favorite song? Um, I think it's uh, Oceans with Big Man. Okay. Yeah. All right, very good. So here's the next question at our church. Tim, we're doing a little research. and love to ask you, why do you think Jesus came to earth? Uh, because uh, he had to uh, save us and uh, because God decided that uh, you know, it was the only way and uh, he was tired of the old, the old law. It was time for a new, uh, time for a new commission, a new, uh, new where you don't have to sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. And that's enough because he paid the price on the, on the hill. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Man, I'm so glad too. Can you imagine in the Old Testament where you had to bring all these animals and sacrifice them all? Ugh, that'd be really bad, wouldn't it? Now, let's imagine that tomorrow you go to school and someone asks you, why did Jesus why do you think Jesus came to earth? What would you say? Would you be ready to answer that question? Uh, I want you to be ready. And if someone asked me tomorrow, you know, Smiley, well, why did Jesus come to earth? I would say that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. Um, if you're new here, we're doing a series of messages called One Story, and we're learning the Bible is one story from beginning to end. It's, it's one story, and there are two goals in this uh, series. The first goal is I want to equip you to know and be able to confidently share the one story of the Bible. I want you to know it, and I want you to be able to share it because we're all called to share the good news. And so we've been learning. There's four chapters, four chapters in this one story. There's creation and fall and redemption and consummation. 
Chapter 1, creation answers the question, where did everything come from? And we've learned what? That God created everything from nothing, and it was very good. Chapter 2 answers the question, well, well, what happened? The world is broken, and we learned the fall wrecked everything. The fall wrecked everything. Chapter 3, redemption answers the question, well, how do we fix it? And we've learned, well, we really can't, but Jesus can. So we're spending two weeks here. Last week, we asked the question. We looked at the question, who is Jesus? And you remember what we learned, right? He is fully God and fully man in one person. Okay, today we're answering the question, well, why did Jesus come to earth? And we're learning that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Now, listen, you've got to be here the next two weeks. The best chapter in the whole story is chapter four, it's consummation. In the next two weeks, we're going to look at where is history headed and how does history end? And we're going to learn that Jesus is coming back and he's going to restore all things. You don't want to miss chapter four. So our first goal is that you would know and be able to confidently share the one story of the Bible, the gospel. And secondly, I want to equip you to develop the skill of asking questions, of asking questions because Jesus did that and it's a great way of opening up gospel conversations. And last week, I encouraged you, when you ask a question, email me your story, email me your story. And several of you did. I'm praying that my email would blow up this week because you all do it. But here's one of my favorites. One lady said, there's someone at work who's always using Jesus' name in vain. So this week when they said Jesus, she said, you spend a lot of time talking about him. Who do you believe Jesus is? And the lady responded, well, that's a tricky question. I really don't know who he is. Talking about being lost, it, could there be anything sadder in life, could there, than not knowing who Jesus is? Uh, I really don't know who he is. I used to go to church. They were only interested in music. They never told us who Jesus was. So if that lady happens to be here today, listen real carefully. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Jesus is fully, I don't want you to say, no one ever told me who Jesus is. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And I want you to understand why he came too. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So let's unpack that a little bit. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 19. <clears throat> and we'll start in verse 1. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. So Jesus, it's that place in his life where he is headed toward the cross. He's got a date on the cross very soon because Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and that involved going to the cross. But on the way to seek and save the lost, know what Jesus was doing? He was seeking and saving the lost on the way to seek and save the lost. He's got someone in Jericho that he wants to seek and save. Jericho is about 17 miles from Jerusalem. Verse 2, and there was a man named, called by the name of Zacchaeus. Um, he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Now let's make a few observations about him. First of all, he's named, and that's rare, isn't it? I mean, not many people in Jesus' stories are named, are they? We talk about the woman at the well. What was her name? 
I don't know. We talk about the blind man. Jesus opened his eyes. What was his name? I don't know. We talk about the rich young ruler. We don't know his name. But Zacchaeus, we know his name. And what do we learn about him? He was a tax collector. Can everybody say, like, boo? Will you say that? Tax collectors have never been popular. Can you imagine this? Those of you who have kids, you ask your kids, and what do you want to be when you grow up? And they say, what? A tax collector. How many parents would be thrilled to hear that? Um, but Jews really hated tax collectors. They were doubly hated. First of all, they were hated as traitors because Zacchaeus would be Jewish, but he was working for the Roman occupiers. He was collecting taxes for Rome. So as his fellow Jews, he would be viewed as a traitor working for the enemy. And secondly... They would have been viewed as thieves because they had to collect a certain amount for Rome, but what they could collect over and above that they could keep for themselves. So not only was he a tax collector, but what kind of tax collector was he? He was the chief. He oversaw other tax collectors. And because he was really good at separating people from their money, he was rich and he was hated. So Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming to town. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So why couldn't Zacchaeus see Jesus? No. Because the crowd wouldn't let him. Right? He couldn't... I mean, the crowd wouldn't let him. Maybe someone there would have said, talk about someone who needs Jesus. It's Zacchaeus. Why don't we make room for Zacchaeus to meet Jesus? But you know what? They blocked him off. Uh, but Zacchaeus, he, he really wanted to, to see Zacchaeus. Um, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. Now, what did men wear in those days? Robes. You think it'd be a nice idea to climb a tree in public in a robe? But Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, so he climbed the tree. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Jesus came to seek, the, to, to seek and save the lost. He sees Zacchaeus. He calls him by name, Zacchaeus, and then he invites himself over for dinner. I must stay at your house. And listen, to go in someone's house was about friendship. I want to be your friend. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. He knew my name. He knew my name. Jesus knew my name. How did he know my name? Jesus is coming to my house. No one went to Zacchaeus' house. He was hated. And in front of all these people, Jesus said, I want to stay at your house. He was thrilled. Um, when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, he's gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. Know why they grumbled? Know why they, they didn't know why Jesus came. That's why they grumbled. 
Many Jews longed for someone who would overthrow the Roman governor, the Roman government, the occupiers. That's not why Jesus came, and that disappointed many. Uh, religious people thought perhaps he had come to help good people get better. It's not why he came, and they were disappointed. The reason they grumbled is they didn't know why Jesus came, that he came to seek and save the lost. If that's why he came, it would make perfect sense that he was eating with a sinner. So they're complaining. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give him back four times as much. And Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. So Zacchaeus is radically saved, and he begins to give all of his stuff away. And it's important to know that he gave his stuff away because he was saved, not because he wanted to be saved. Giving all of his things away was the evidence of his salvation and not the cause of his salvation. Martin Luther, the great reformer, once said, Saving faith, man is saved by faith alone, but saving faith is never alone. Because he was saved, he was so changed by Jesus that he began to be generous and to give away what he had. Notice what Jesus said. Today, salvation has come to this house. Today, Zacchaeus has been saved because he too is a son of Abraham. So, how does a person become saved? How does someone become a son of Abraham? Did you know the Bible answers that question directly? In the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 6, we read, Even so Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. How were people in the Old Testament saved? The same as in the New, they were saved by faith. Abraham believed in God's promise that a Savior would come, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. So how does one become a son of Abraham? By what? By, by faith, right? Now, I love this next phrase. The word of God and God are so linked together that the Bible is spoken of as though the Bible were God. The scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. The gospel was preached to Abraham. One day, Abraham, one of your descendants will be the Savior, and he'll bring salvation to all the nations. So then, those who are of faith are, be are blessed with Abraham, the, the worker, the, help me, come on, the, the believer, you see, Zacchaeus became a son of Abraham by putting his faith in Jesus, just like we're saved by faith as well. So important to understand, we are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. Once Zacchaeus was saved through faith, he began to do God good works. And then Jesus very clearly states why he came to earth, for the Son of Man. See that title, the Son of Man? That's Jesus' favorite self-description. He calls himself the Son of Man 83 times in the gospel. 
83 times, and, and that's a messianic term. It comes from the book of Daniel. I'm the Messiah. I'm the long-awaited one. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why Jesus came. And I want us to unpack that a little bit because that's the story of the Bible. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And people often say, well, Smiley, aren't all religions the same? Well, religions are very similar, but the gospel is radically different. There's a huge difference between religion and the gospel, the story of the Bible. Let me show you. In religion, in religion, God hides and man seeks. In religion, man is seeking a God who is hiding. But in the gospel, man hides and Jesus seeks. Man hides, Jesus seeks. We, a few weeks ago, those of you who were here, we read the story of the fall. Adam and Eve sinned. The first thing they did after they sinned was what? They hid. They hid. Adam and Eve were hiding. Who was seeking? God was pursuing. God was seeking because Jesus seeks. Right here, right here in the story, we're reading, Jesus comes to Jericho. Jesus comes to the true tree. Jesus says, I must stay at your house because Jesus seeks the lost. That's the gospel. In, in Acts, we read the story of Paul's conversion. Was Saul, was Saul seeking a God who was hiding, was he? No, no, God, Jesus was seeking Saul. How about in your life? I know in my life I wasn't seeking Jesus. He was seeking me. That's how different the gospel is from religion because in religion, God hides and man seeks. In the gospel, uh, man hides, Jesus seeks. In religion, man saves himself. Religion teach we have to save ourselves by our good works, but the gospel says, no, no, Jesus saves, Jesus does it all. I want you to know in the, in the religion, the bad news is not too bad, and the good news is not very good. Religion says you can save yourself. You can save yourself. You just need to follow these rules. You just need to try a little harder. And, uh, but the good news isn't real good because you're never quite sure whether you've ever done enough, are you? But the gospel, in the gospel, the bad news is far worse and the good news is far better. The bad news of the gospel is that we were lost. We couldn't save ourselves. The good news is Jesus saves. So let's unpack that just a little bit, okay? See the word lost? The bad news of the gospel is that we all start life lost. We were once all lost. And what that means is that we were sinners by birth and by choice that we were born sinners. We inherited from our parents a sinful human nature, and then every one of us perfected our own style of sinning against God. Sinning against God is a crime against God, and we have all developed our own style of crime after crime against God in thought and word and deed. And the God we've sinned against is just, who must punish sin. And God says what we deserve for what we have done is hell itself. We deserve God's wrath forever. And we cannot save ourselves. The bad news is we are lost. Lost now and we face being lost forever. And here's the good news. 
Here's the good news. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. We learned last week, who is Jesus? Fully God and fully man. God the Son put on flesh and came to earth. And he came to earth in a unique way. He was born of a virgin. All of us inherited from our parents a sinful human nature. But Jesus was born with a human nature. He's fully human, but it wasn't a sinful nature like ours. And because Jesus is fully God and fully man, he was able to live for us a a perfect life that we could never do ourselves. The Bible says he was fully human. He was tempted in all ways as we are yet without sin. Then he went to the cross to seek and save us, and he took our sins upon himself. As a man, he became our substitute. As God, his death would be of infinite value. He took our sins. He died on the cross for our sins, paying in full the penalty for our sins. He rose on the third day, proving he had conquered sin and death. And he offers us the greatest gift ever, the gift of eternal life, the opportunity to do life and eternity with him. Now, we've been learning about Zacchaeus. And some of us are here saying, man, if I'd have been in that tree... And if Jesus said, man, I want to come, I want to come and stay at your house, I would have responded just like Zacchaeus. I would have come down and welcomed him in. If Jesus had just said that to me, do you know Jesus does say that to you? Listen to this. Here's the verse that changed my life, that changed my eternity. Jesus said the same thing to me. He said to Zacchaeus, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Smiley, he knew my name. (laughs) Is that cool? There's 8 billion people on earth and he knows my name. And and, and he says, listen, I want to move into you and give you eternal life. I want to forgive you of all your sins. Have you ever done anything wrong? Do you know how good it is to go to bed at night forgiven? And Jesus says, listen, I want to be your Savior and forgive you and give you eternal life. And he says, I want to be Lord of your life. He says, look at your life. How are you doing? How are you doing? Let me come and live my life in and through you. Life will be so much different. How about you? Have you ever asked Jesus to be your Savior and Lord? Well, how do we do that? Well, it really is as simple as ABC. It starts when we admit When I heard Jesus knocking on the door of my heart and saying, I want to come in, I admitted to Jesus, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and and I'm sorry, and won't you? And And then I believed. I said, Jesus... I believe you died on the cross for my sins and, and, and you rose. And, and then I committed to Jesus as Savior. I want you to come in and, and be my Savior. From now on, I'm trusting you and not me, trusting in you for forgiveness, trusting in you for eternal life, won't you? And then I said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Uh, I've made a mess of my life, so today I turn over control of my life to you. And from this day forward, as you give me strength, I'll follow you. And I have, won't you? won't you? Now notice what happens. Notice what Jesus said will happen. Just like Jesus went and stayed with Zacchaeus, Jesus says, if we receive him as Savior and Lord, he'll move in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. The Christian life is about doing life with Jesus and for Jesus and doing eternity with him and for him. I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Have you invited Jesus in? Do you take time each day to dine with him? 
Isn't that why we get up and spend time with him? Isn't that why we're here? We've invited Jesus in and we want to get to know him. And so when Jesus moves in, he says, listen, I'm in charge now. You follow me. And then Jesus said to me and to all of us, I have a purpose for your life. Follow me and I'll show you my purpose. Remember we read verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And we're learning, we're learning that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That means he lived a perfect life for us, right? He did that for us. It means he died on the cross for our sins, right? And rose again. He did that for us. But do you know what Jesus also did to seek and save the lost? You know what he did? He gathered disciples around them when he was here on earth. He had his 12 apostles He had the broader group of disciples, and he trained them how to seek and save the lost. He trained them. And then after Jesus died and rose, before he ascended into heaven, he gave his last command that's called the Great Commission. And he told the disciples, and he told his church, and he told you and me, go and make disciples of all the nations. Go and win people to Christ. Go and seek and save the lost. Go and make disciples who make disciples until the world is one. That command was given to all of us. It was given to his church so that after he ascended, we would find a church, join it, and together we'd make disciples who would make disciples to win the world. The mission's very, very important. And so Jesus made provisions for us to carry out that mission. Before he ascended into heaven, he made a promise. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, I want you to understand the difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was only poured out on a few believers, only on the prophet and the priest and the king. But the promise of the New Testament is the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all of God's people. Why? Why is the Holy Spirit poured out on all of God's people? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you, and you, and you, and you, all of God's people, you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Remember when Jesus was here? He said it was to our advantage that he go away. How could Jesus going away be to our advantage? It's because when Jesus was here on earth, his body was in one place, and only those close to him got to see him and to hear him. But now Jesus has ascended into heaven. There's local expressions of his church around the world. He's empowered all of us so that we can be his witnesses where we live and work and play. Good News Church, we gather on Sunday to worship and be equipped, but then we scatter to seek and save the lost, to make disciples. And you say, well, how do we do that? And Jesus says, what? Follow me, right? And I'll make you fishers of men. So let's go back to our story, and let me point out three Uh, Three fishing observations from this passage. Three ways we can follow Jesus. The first thing that strikes me in here is that Jesus loves lost people. He loves lost people. His disciples do too. Because his disciples love what and whom Jesus loves. 
We know Jesus loves lost people because he loves Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus is lost. We know Jesus loves lost people because he's on the way to the cross to seek and save the lost. So, it's that last night before Jesus is going to be on the cross and he's praying for us. You ever wonder how Jesus prays for you? Here's how he prays for you. He's praying to the Father, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So the more we understand why Jesus came, the more we understand what? Why we're sent. And so Jesus said that he was sent into the world to seek and save the lost. And so what he's praying for us is that we who are found would now join him and we would be sent out to seek and save the lost. That we would love lost people because he did. That we would understand how urgent the mission is. Um, You a parent ever lost your kids? Like maybe in public? I have multiple times, but, but I'm going to tell on somebody else, not me. When we lived in Boca Raton, we had a, a couple that we were friends with. Their name were Doug and Sylvia, and they were here from Scotland, and we had a chance to lead them to faith in Christ. They had two kids. Faye was about five, and they had a son, Andrew. Uh, he was about two, and um, he was all boy. Uh, he was a Houdini. He was an escape artist. If you ever saw Sylvia, she always had one stem on her sunglasses because he would find her sunglasses and break them, right? And so she would be on 95 in South Florida, rather busy, look in the rearview mirror, and he would have escaped from his child seat in the back. Once she's driving down the road, she looks in the rearview mirror. He's hanging himself in the back seat, caught in the car seat as he's trying to escape. Doug and Sylvia thought it'd be a great idea to take Faye and Andrew while they were in the United States to Disney World. So they, Sylvia takes Andrew into the ladies' bathroom. She takes him into the stall with her. She pulls her pants down, sits on the toilet. You know what Andrew does, right? Right underneath the stall and out the door. Foreign country Tens of thousands of people, you're sitting on a toilet, you've lost your son. (laughs) She said, well, I'm not a professional search and rescue person. I'll just let him go. (laughs) Every mom in here knows what. That's not true. Her son was lost. Man, I tell you, a mom will do anything and everything to find her child she lost. And she did, and she was so thrilled. What if we love lost people like that and had that sense that people are lost? And Jesus sends us out to seek and save that which was lost. Observation number one, Jesus loves lost people. His disciples do too. Um, Observation number two is that Jesus lived a question-raising life. He lived a question-raising life that when people were around Jesus, they just asked questions. Jesus sees the biggest sinner in town, and he says, I want to have lunch with you. And the crowd says, why would you eat with a sinner? 
His life was always raising questions. And, and when our lives raise questions, gospel conversations naturally overflow. His disciples do too. Come on. Zacchaeus starts doing what? Giving money to the poor, doesn't he? When this person who used to steal starts giving money to the poor, don't you know people said, what? What happened to you, Zacchaeus? What happened? He says, I met Jesus. Jesus is changing everything in my life. He's given me a love for others. I want to give away. Don't you know people were shocked? Do you hear what it says here? I'll give half of my money to feed the poor. If I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give him back four times as much. In the Old Testament, restitution was to be made at 20%. So what was required if you stole something, let's say Zacchaeus stole $100 from someone, what was required was that he give them their $100 plus 20 restitution. But Zacchaeus went to person after person and said, I overcharged you $100, here's $300 more. Do you think anybody said, why? Why are you doing this? I've met Jesus. Can anybody tell we've met Jesus? Anybody ever ask us a question? I read on in the Bible, I read about a man named Saul. He hated Jesus. He became Paul. <laughs> Don't you think people, when, when they met Paul, weren't you that guy who used to persecute Christians? What happened to you? I met Jesus. You read on in Acts, I was reading this week. Paul and Silas, they were arrested for doing what was right, for preaching the gospel. They're beaten, bloody, naked, chained to guards in prison, and they were doing exactly what we would be doing, right? They were singing praises to God at midnight. I'm sorry, I wouldn't be doing that. But when you follow Jesus, you live a question-raising life. And all the people in the prison were saying, we've never seen anything like this before. Who sings in prison? Who sings when they're punished for doing what's right? Who does this? And you know what happened when they were in there? All the jail cells, they were all thrown up and, and no one laughed. No one laughed. They could have run, but no one laughed because they had never seen anyone like this. And the jailer was saved, right? He came and said, what do I do to be saved? I want what you have. And they said, what? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Shouldn't our lives be raising questions when we follow Jesus, shouldn't they? And when they raise questions, doesn't that open opportunities for gospel conversations? Recently, I was in a restaurant, and, and I was eating with someone, and, and the, we ordered the same meal, and the, the server said one check or two, and I said one, but when I got the bill, and I noticed that she only charged me for one meal. Uh, and I said, come here, you only charge me for one meal. There, listen, there's two. You, you need to put both of them on here. And she said, oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I would have spent my whole day trying to figure out where the meal was lost. Thank you. Why would you do that? I know someone who's the truth, right? That's what he would want me to do. 
So Jesus loves the lost. His disciples do too. Jesus lived a question-raising life. His disciples do too. And I want you to notice that Jesus divides people. He divides people. When, when Jesus enters a crowd, he divides people. There's hunger in some and hostility from others, isn't there? Isn't that true here? That Jesus comes into Jericho and he finds hunger in Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus welcomes him into his home, believes in him, and is saved, and yet the crowd is opposed to him. As I've been reading the book of Acts, whenever Peter would preach or Paul would preach, whenever people would share the gospel, they would encounter hunger sometimes and hostility the others, but we'll never know until we share the gospel. I want you to know whenever I have a gospel conversation, I always expect hunger. I expect people to want what I have, but I'm not surprised when there's hostility. You ask, why do I expect hunger? Because Jesus said this, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Jesus has his people he wants to draw to himself. Uh, so many of us think, you know, I'm not very good at sharing my faith, neither am I. What encourages me to know is that when I bumble through sharing the gospel, people don't hear my voice. They hear Jesus' voice, and they hear Jesus calling his people to himself. So, when I share Christ, I expect hunger, but I'm not surprised by hostility. Who wouldn't want to be forgiven? Who wouldn't want to live forever? Who wouldn't rather have Jesus running their life than themselves? I mean, how good are you doing? Kind of reminds me of Charles Spurgeon, this great Baptist preacher, and uh, he was always seeing people one to faith in Christ. And someone asked him once, Spurgeon, why is it when you preach, why is it when you preach people come to faith in Christ and they don't when I do? You know what Spurgeon said? I expect them to. I expect them to. When I say to someone, hey, would you like to receive the free gift of eternal life? I expect them to say, yes, who wouldn't, right? So, why did Jesus come to earth? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Uh, that's why he lived a perfect life for us. We couldn't. It's why he died on the cross for our sins and rose again. But it's also why he trained his disciples. And it's why we're here. Because he wants us to send us out to share the good news and to seek and save the lost. So that's what we've learned. We learned Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Here's the action step for the week. I want you to ask someone this week, why do you think Jesus came to earth? And when you ask someone, I'd love for you to send me your story. I'd love to hear your story. Now maybe, I've been at this for many, many weeks, you haven't taken the step. Listen, don't go through the whole series without taking the opportunity to ask someone a question. When someone calls you on the phone this week, could I ask you a question? When you have lunch with someone today, could I ask you a question? We're doing some research at our church, and I'd love just to ask you, why do you think Jesus came to earth? Um, and don't be afraid of a wrong answer. There's not a wrong answer. You're just asking them. You're asking them to get them to think. But if they, 
If they would ask you in response back, well, why do you think Jesus came to earth? Tell them, you can do it. You can do it. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. You can do it. And if they then said, well, could you tell me more about that? Just pull out your little do you know booklet and read it to them. You can read. Read it to them. Remember, people hear Jesus' voice when we share. That's what encourages us. Jesus is God who became a man in the person of Jesus Christ and died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave and offers us the free gift of eternal life. Invite them. Would you like the greatest gift ever? Expect hunger, but don't be surprised when there's hostility. So there it is. We're learning the story. We learned in a very important part of the story this week, didn't we? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Listen, let's all go this week. Let's all ask at least one person. Let's ask lots of people. Why do you think Jesus came to earth? And let's see what Jesus will do. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so glad that you came to seek and save the lost, us, that you lived that perfect life, that you died on the cross for our sins and rose, that you trained those 12 and the 70 so that they would share and they would share and we could be here today and hear the gospel ourselves. Thank you. And, and listen, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, won't you receive him today? Won't you? Admit to him, Jesus I admit to you that I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And won't you commit to him, Jesus, come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Uh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card and put it in the box we'd love to celebrate with you? Or tell someone it'll make Jesus more real to you. Jesus, I pray this week that as we go out, we would remember that you sent us out to seek and save the lost like you did. And Lord, I pray that each of us would ask at least one person this week, why do you think Jesus came to earth? Lord, we look forward to seeing what you'll do as we ask that question, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen.